welcome to a special edition of Soundcheck Flicks. This is uh, a mind-blowing experience that's happened and definitely encapsulated the hearts and minds of Americans all over, if not the world. A film has reached over a billion dollars, directed by Greta Gerwig. Yes, we're talking about Barbie, and I'm going to have to blame Graham for this one because he's <laughs> seen the film four times already. It's only been out 17 days. He, of course, had to go a fourth time just to take notes. I saw it once. And it was a, a phenomenal experience, I have to agree. I couldn't even get my wife to go, uh, but I think uh, based on the emotional level of this film, it's not just something that's a tongue-in-cheek experience, cartoonish. It's, it's got levels beyond anybody could ever imagine. I think that's why it's done so great. I cried. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for doing this. Thank this, you for getting me. I mean, sure. I would have gone anyway, but you've this, seen it four times? This is why we're doing this special episode, because, you know, on this show, most of it, most of the movies people pick on here are going to be, you know, old school movies that they grew up with and had an influence on them. Rarely are we going to get to comment on a phenomenon. And this is a fucking phenomenon. Like <laughs> this movie crossed a billion dollars in like 16 days. Like that is insane. They've tapped into something like and it's not just me going four times. Like I went to see Talk to Me the other night and, and you know, there wasn't too many people in my theater. But when I walked out, it was like a Wednesday night and the place was popping off like a Saturday and it was women in pink everywhere and in little groups going into all the theaters. And I'm like, this is more than a movie now. This has become like a phenomenon. Like people are going back multiple times, not just me. Like I know it's mostly women that are going multiple times, but this is what part of the reason we're doing this, Tim Piles. We're going to sure. encourage our male friends. Right, right. Who we know are cool enough to go to this movie to go. Yeah. Like, we're never going to get the guys, the Ben Shapiro's, uh, the micropenis dudes of the world. We're never going <laughs> to get those guys. But we can encourage our friends that are on the fence to be like, no, this film is so dense. There's so, so I, much going on. I got I to gotta ask, though, like, um, I'm concerned we might give away spoilers. And oh, we're going to so, give away a lot of spoilers. If you haven't okay, seen so Barbie, that, don't listen. So that's a disclaimer, maybe. Yeah. That if, if you haven't seen it, we're encouraging you to see it. Maybe even go see it before you listen. Uh, stop now. <laughs> Absolutely. Go see it first, but we're 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 not no holds barred, right? We're gonna drop everything. We're spoiling about the film. everything. Okay. Thank you. Just disclaimer, everybody, because we're getting in all the subtext too. Because there's not just this amazing stuff going on on the surface. There's this incredible glossiness to it with all the colors, and I think everybody gets caught up in that. And then there's this funny stuff that's going on on the surface, which is also really enjoyable, and that makes it a just a plus summer film. But then there's just repeated viewings you really get into the subtext of it and i'm i'm blown away by all this stuff there's stuff i haven't even still gotten after four viewings i mean this feels like donnie darko all over again i remember when, when that movie came out and i was watching it over so many times trying to figure out the wormholes and all that stuff i'm doing this with barbie now and that's <laughs> when i'm impressed greta gerwig you hit it out of the fucking park I mean, this is a sensation for a good reason, and everyone should go see it. And Tame Impala's in it. I mean, their music's in it. I think that's. Oh, we'll get to the soundtrack in a little bit. We'll we'll do the soundtrack because it's a modern pop soundtrack that is just terrific. But uh, I feel like we talked too much. Let's get to our guests. Definitely, Alia Jaywook. How are you? Welcome to the program. I am doing well. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Graham. You are a member of uh, Scary Pierre, but you've been involved in the local music community for many, many, many years, right? Yes, I moved here in 2007, and I've been in bands ever since. And you are actually a doctor? I am. I'm Dr. Jaywook. You are doctor, and, and, and doctor of, of music? Yes, it's a doctorate of musical arts and music education. Very nice. I'm sure she might have some insight into the soundtrack. Ash Easton here. You. Singer, songwriter, performer. You were just here at the Casbah recently. 
are you are you a local girl? Did you grow up in San Diego? Oh hell yeah, I did. Yeah, what part of town? Yeah, North County, okay. San Marcos is where I got my start. And I would have first been introduced to you as the the Hollander Project, right? Yeah, we don't talk about that much, but yeah. That was a thing, okay. <laughs> was but thing. Ash Easton's been going strong for how long? Um, it started in 21. That's where things got very serious. Um, and then we kind of just skyrocketed from there. There you go. Have you won a music award yet? Uh-huh. Yes, I did. <laughs> 2023 San Diego Music Award winning Best New Artist. Congratulations. Oh, my God. That's Thank amazing. You. And you, where do you play a lot in town? I know that was your first Casbah show recently, but where do you play regularly? Um, we do all sorts of things, really anywhere from San Diego to L.A., but consistently we've been at, like, Moonshine and Tin Roof and... We've got Soda Bar coming up soon, so yeah. Is it country rock or what? What do you? How do you describe? Oh, I mean, you cover Creighton, so I mean, not that that's yeah. country rock, but uh-huh. you have a vibe like what they do. You know, this is a source of contention okay. in the music scene. It's uh, I like to classify it as Southern rock okay. because there's a lot of like Western South feel to it, sure. but also I like to kick you in the teeth at the same time. Do you cover Freebird? Have you covered Freebird? Will it is you an cover expensive song when it's requested. Uh, of um, course it is. That's kind of the given rule with a band. <laughs> Normally when someone shouts it out, I always say, I've got a couple free birds for you right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Normally. But it doesn't seem out of your repertoire. I mean, come on. Oh, it's That's definitely like the not. premier yeah. Southern rock song yeah. of all time. Absolutely. And it, it's disrespectful if, if you don't cover it. You know what? But I'm going to write you, that in my diary. There you go. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Uh, so how many times did you see the film? I saw it one time. I took notes the whole time. You took notes. Oh, you yeah. saw it a couple times. Also took notes? No, no. notes. Um, mental notes. Mental, You're definitely. You're a doctor. Y- yeah, more or less. It's all up um, there. It's all <laughs> up there. But Graham, four times. That's pretty impressive, right? Yeah. I'm supporting, man. You are. You Hell are. Yeah. I loved Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think that was my favorite film of the year up to this point. I think Barbie is just exceptional. I think it's terrific, and I think everyone should see it. When we're talking about the whole Barbenheimer thing, I think there was this whole notion going into that weekend, and I had it too as a Nolan fan, as a man. Like, I went to see that one first. That was the one I booked first. And I booked Barbie second. Oppenheimer was three hours. It was a slog. It was my eighth or ninth favorite Christopher Nolan film, which is not a compliment. And I went to see Barbie as the dessert the next morning, and I had the best dessert of my life. I mean, I was like, wow. And even and Greta taught me a lesson, and I'm not too proud to admit that as a man, that Greta's writing and directing of this film, it, it kind of made me check myself for a minute and go, yo, wait a minute, I marginalized them too, and I shouldn't have doubted them for one second. I probably should have went to this one first. It was the better film, and I still think it's the better film. I think that's the order you do it. If you were going to do Barbenheimer, you needed to see the super serious film First, sure, and cleanse your palate with the the comedy. Sure. And Oppenheimer is a decent film, and it's going to get nominations too. It's going to be like. Did Dunkirk. you cry during Oppenheimer? No, I mean, not like, once. I admit again, I, I cried during awake. Barbie. I was trying to stay awake at points, but <laughs> you know, it's going to get its nominations just like Dunkirk did for Nolan. But it's not going to win much. It's going to come on. Did you ladies cry? At all? Did you feel some emotional connection to yeah. the story? The first I'm going to be mad if you didn't. No, I absolutely cried. I think I, the first time I cried three times, and then the second time I saw it, four. Yeah. yeah. Ash? I, I just want to say, uh, fuck you. <laughs> because I was, um, I, I, people were like, oh, you're going to get emotional. And, like, I don't cry. I mean, I do when it's, like, you know, like, deep. 
But you didn't tell me any of that shit when right. we got started. And That's I literally I <laughs> walked in with like butter salty hands just wiping tears <laughs> left and right oh my god you yeah. went with your whole band too mm-hmm. and then you guys had a deep discussion about the movie as like a band thing i thought that was pretty yeah, cool we got super deep it yeah. was amazing well, it was beautiful. hey let's talk about the cry scenes let's just get into it what was the scene what was the scenes that made you cry i'm curious the first one was the scene that was almost cut from the movie where um Barbie sitting next to the an bus stop. Oh, yes, at the bus stop. Yeah, that was almost cut. I yes. can't believe that. I mean, either. It's she so important. Greta mm-hmm. fought for that. Yeah. Yep. Holy shit! That fi- mm-hmm. that scene is important. Like because that's the first scene where Barbie is experiencing emotions. She's only known one thing in her life, and that's happiness. And in that scene, you know, it's it, and it even shows in the scene because she's looking around at the variety of emotions taking place around her. She looks at the the guy that was puzzled and she worries for him. And she looks at the couple that's smiling and she lights up and laughs because that's what she knows. And then she sees the couple fighting and she gets sad again. Like she's experiencing emotions. She's becoming a human being for the first time. I'm blown away that they wanted to cut that scene. I think it's amazing. It, it's one of the best scenes in the film. And basically she looks to this old woman and tells her how beautiful she is. Oh, God. Uh, it's just and you're like Rrr! it's heartwarming, and that's Anne Roth. She's an Academy Award-winning uh, costume designer. She oh, didn't wow. do she didn't do the work on this one, but she's been around for decades, and she's the shit. Like, and so Greta was like, "I'm gonna get this woman her props and get her in this movie." Now, a lot of people are mistaking that that's there for some reason. There's this internet thing that they think that that's the lady that invented Barbie, like the real lady. Yeah, Ruth Handler. They think right. they're thinking it's her, and it's like, no, she died in 2002. That's not her. Like. But it is Ann Roth, and, and she's terrific. So Greta insisted it be in there, and she put her foot down with the studio, and she got her way. <laughs> so what, what was the next one? Where they're doing the flashbacks of playing, the mother and daughter are doing the flashbacks of playing with the Barbie yes. together. Both times. Yep. More so when, um, when Barbie realized, oh, it was the mother that was... The um, second time. Yeah, the second through. time. And you see America's face mm-hmm. each time. Yeah. And then... Towards the end of the movie, the that last montage where Barbie sees, you know, there's all all this footage of her um, envisioning when she holds Ruth's hands and yes. she's envisioning envisioning um, what life could be like. Right? right yep. Mm-hmm. That's the scene that gets everybody. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's Billie Eilish doing what she does, whisper singing, <laughs> and it's but it's perfect for that for that it's moment ASMR in that film. Singing. Absolutely, and it works to a T. <laughs> I mean, they found the right song. And, you know, the beautiful thing about that soundtrack is they gave those artists the chance to see the movie before they wrote their songs. So when you listen to the lyrics on that soundtrack, a lot of them are including the moments from, that their song is in the movie. And so that's what's really cool. Like, Tame and Paul is the real world, and they're writing their song about the real world. You know? So you hear that song each time they travel to and from. So it's, it's very smart in that regard. Like, I really love that about it. Um, but that last scene, oh, my God. That tear-jerking scene. And those are the... So they show the, the mothers and daughters. Those are relatives of people on the cast. They got home videos from all the people that work on the cast of their mothers and daughters and sisters. And so they put them in that montage. And that's just beautiful. I mean, I think that's the moment when I was about to cry, too. You had a Barbie, didn't you, growing up? Don't no, lie. I didn't. I had G.I. Joe's, just okay. like you did, dude. Just checking. But no, I had Star so Wars action figures. Here's the brilliant thing about that last tear-jerking scene, is that Greta, by putting... Uh, like home video footage into that scene, that's where she connected with us as viewers, as just normal people. Because you could feel that scene when you saw those women dancing and smiling. You thought about your mom. You thought about your sister. You thought about the girlfriend yeah. or your wife. Like, as, as a man, that's what I thought about. And it, and it made me tear up because I thought about my mom and I lost her a long time ago. 
but you know, it's just this beautiful tribute to women. And that's when Barbie is becoming a woman in that montage. And then the next scene comes out of it and she's, she's in the real world. But that is just a And all my scene. questions were answered in the final, her final dialogue. Everything was answered. Like the whole film was summed up for me in the final dialogue. I was concerned about that. Like, if she's going to be in the real world, she's got to be able to enjoy it fully, right? She's that was answered. Barbie. <laughs> she has to see a gynecologist. Yeah, she you got to go to the gyno. I mean, that's how it works. Are we getting Barbie too? Do you think at this point they're going to have to? I mean, we're over a billion Brian, dollars I mean, at this point. Ken's now got to come into the real world. Mm-hmm. Oh. By the way, the Ken track is amazing. Brian and all the saw. merchandise. Did you guys see? They merchandise every Barbie. Everyone, even up to the point where you can pre-order Weird Barbie now, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of like well, I was talking to Graham earlier. You have to make your own Weird Barbie. That the Weird Barbie is like your, your, you know. Anyway, Kate McKinnon's genius as a Weird Barbie. Uh, okay, ladies, cut loose. I, I could see it. You uh, want to cut loose about Kate McKinnon? I had all sorts of Weird Barbies. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I'll never forget. There were times. I'm one of six girls and one boy. Wow. My brother's wow. the oldest, and it's just a bunch of chicks after that. <laughs> And um, I'd say I feel bad for him, but I don't. He, he's the best big brother. I love him so much. But um, we had Barbies all the time growing up. And there were certain Barbies where my mom would always be like, no, you can't take this one in the bath with you. I was like, why? Like, it <laughs> drove me nuts. And so I had my one. She was like, you can do, you can cut this one's hair. And so I'd like cut hair so i had i did i had weird barbies <laughs> but mom actually protected some of the barbies to yeah, keep them nice and pristine some of the, the margot robbies yeah and it was <laughs> it was magical but i related so much with the whole thing because i i had the pretty ones where their hair never got wet their outfits were always perfect and then i had the ones that were like the ones we'd bring into the pool or the bathtub sure. with i'd cut their hair and give them crazy mohawks and yeah all sorts of shit. Yeah. Did you have any accoutrements like, uh, you know, the Barbie dream house or. I you, did. You did. Yeah. Actually. My, I, th- I think my mom actually made a Barbie house for us when we were young out of like popsicle sticks. <laughs> nice. And we had it for the longest time. I don't know where it is to this day, but it, it was like, it looked just like our house. It was blue, like a slate blue. And she put all this stuff in it. She's very crafty. And, um, that was like our Barbie house. I had like the generic ones too, of sure. course. But the, pick the and fact save versions. that my mom like made one, I was always like. Do you currently have a Barbie? I don't currently, and that's Alia? where I really. Uh, no, thank you. No, uh, no Barbies in the house. But I definitely had stacks growing up. I too had older siblings, three older sisters, and um, there was some hair cutting. So. <laughs> It, we just had Christmas, so a bunch of us got Barbies. My um, sister Sahara, she um, was off to choir practice, as you do in Catholic school. And I was probably about five. I got a hold of all her Barbies, cut all their hair off. All real, of them? Real short. And I put all the hair, and you know those old cookie, um, you know those like... Um, Butter, yeah, those cookie yeah, tins, yeah. those royal. I know exactly uh, what, the, the blue ones. T- yeah, the blue tins, exactly. Oh uh, yeah, where sometimes you open it up, there's a sewing kit yep. inside. Well, anyway, I put all the hair inside one of these empty tins. My mom finds the tin. Well, actually, first my sister comes home, and goes, "What happened? To all the hair? What happened to my Barbies?" Like freaking out. My mom grabs the tin. She's holding the hair. She never yelled at me, but then I knew I was in trouble because she used the word naughty, and she's British, so she's got this strong 
British accent. She goes, that was very naughty of you. And I just kept on crying. And I was going, it'll grow back. It'll, it'll grow, grow back. back. Clearly not quite in the formal operational stage. I, um, I thought it would grow back. Never grew back. Um, ruined a bunch of Barbies. I mean, it's a historical lesson watching this, too, because what maybe people don't realize, before Barbie, little girls played with baby dolls. They were all just little, pretending to be mom. So Barbie's the first action figure for women to emulate being a, whatever, doctor, well, all the things. that was a chain, too. That's all they wanted to let you be. Like, right, and it was right. time to move on from that. Yeah. Like, That's the patriarch. <laughs> putting its foot down, feeling its energy. It's not horses. Oh, man. Yeah, that Ken. Ryan Ken's Gosling. Song. Let's get into the soundtrack. Ken's song. How did Gosling do? Did you like that? I thought he did pretty good. His cover of Push? Which one? Out. He creeps me out a little bit still. But <laughs> How great was Push? Hilarious. Okay, I did a Jon Stewart spit take when I was sipping my drink and they were and popped on Ken Radio. Yeah. And it was, I knew right away it was Push from Matchbox 20 and I knew the lyrics before he even hit the, you know, the chorus. And I'm just like dying laughing in the theater that, oh my God, they're going to go there. And then they did it on the beach too, which was pretty great also. I'm going to beat you off so hard. We haven't said that out loud. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm going to beat you off of both we hands, Tim Piles. Just you. the phrase of playing guitar at you was... Uh, playing was, at yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And the oh, one guy okay. was on the drums. Yeah. Magic. They had a... Uh, uh, what's else? What else do we have on there? There was the Indigo Girls song. That's Closer the one they're singing find. when they're driving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that's Margot the one Robbie's. they keep singing when they're driving. Um, there was a brief spice up your life from the Spice Girls. Do you remember where it was? Uh -huh. It's when they were making the yeah. weird Barbie and she's burning the hair and yeah. chopping it. And yeah, that was in there too. And then there's a brief girls just want to have fun, of course. You got to have Cindy Lauper in there. But those are like the only songs in there that are like old songs that we know, like for the most part. Um, the opening song, Lizzo's song, Pink, that's pretty cute. It's a good starter. She's had a bad week or two, but. She's had a terrible couple <laughs> weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. But uh, that was it's a fun track. I do like it. I'm not into modern pop, and even I was kind of like, okay, that's fun. I thought it was fun the second time around when she sung the lyrics, and she, she's saying different things for that pink means, and she gets to K, and she goes, death. Yeah, I <laughs> loved the death part. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> uh, Charlie XCX is doing Speed Drive. That's the song that's playing during the chase scene when she's escaping from the Mattel building and in the car chase. I think that one's pretty great. I think that's one of the better songs on there. Uh, has a lot of good energy to it. Kennergy. Haim doing that home song. That's pretty sweet, too. And that's playing on the radio in the final scene when they're dropping her off. And it's... To so the know, gynecologist? Once, yeah. And once again, they've... <laughs> yeah, thanks for ruining the ending, Piles. And, uh, and she's said it, too. It's playing on the radio when they're talking there at the end to each other before she goes inside. Before she... Very cute how she steps out of the car and you notice what's on her feet. Birkenstocks. Pink, and though. They're, pink. Yeah. they're a blend of both of the things that Kate offered her, or Weird Barbie offered her earlier in the movie. She said, you got the choice. You could take your pink eyes, or you could go with the Birkenstocks. God, I hate Birkenstocks. I this hate was them. a combo of no both. No matter what color, I hate Birkenstocks. Yeah, and, but it was a combination of both, but and I, I thought that was Crocs. pretty sweet. I thought Sorry. the <laughs> metaphor between the two was so important. Yeah. Because I think that there was lots of, like, polarizing aspects of the movie where you, there was, like, this way or there's this way. And then for that to come together at the very end, it was like, you don't really have to, I, I personally don't believe in an and or, I believe in a um, this and that, like I, I don't believe in a this or that, I believe in a this and that. 
And I felt like at the when she was wearing those pink Birkenstocks, it was like, you could do it all. Like, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. That's and the Dua Lipa song, Dance the Night. That's the one that's playing during the dance scene. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And she's in the movie. She is the mermaid in the movie. Yeah. She's beautiful. Uh, oh, my God. Here's the casting. What John if Cena? John Cena. So yes. beautiful. Let's do the Come mermaids on. for a second. Uh, this long, flowing hair yeah, was let's gorgeous. let's do the mermaids for a second. So you know the John Cena part of this. I'll drop the Dua Lipa side of this. So Denise Richards was supposed to be the mermaid. This woman can't catch a break. She left the filming for, like, whatever, a prior commitment. You left one of the biggest movies of all time for a prior commitment. Whatever that commitment was, wasn't as cool as the fucking Barbie movie. Oh, like, no. So she backed out of this, and Dua Lipa comes in and fills the spot and gets the song on the soundtrack. Uh, and God damn, that woman can't catch a break. She married Charlie Sheen, too. What the hell? Tiger's blood. Tiger's blood. <laughs> yeah, John Cena was just nearby at the studio actually re- uh, filming the, the Fast and the Furious movies. So because of Suicide True. Squad... He knew Margo and hit up Margo. I said, I want to be in the film. I'll do anything. And so they made him a mermaid. <laughs> it was perfectly cast. Yeah, I like him because he's he makes fun of himself. Yeah. You know? That's his whole shtick. Yeah. It's fun. Might as well go with I it. I mean, even he's singing Push at his at, <laughs> at Dua Lipa. With a ukulele. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And it's, it, you know what's really fun is the lack of American actors in this thing. Because, I mean, would you really stop and think about it? Because Margo's Australian. You got the Canadian squad. It's Sammy Liu, uh, Ryan Gosling, and Michael Sarah are all Canadian. Helen Mirren, the narrator, is British. So it's like, you know, this is an all-star squad of not Americans. <laughs> Rhea Perlman, she's American, right? Rhea is an all-American. She plays Ruth Handler, the That's woman who started what... Barbie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the, those things they say in the movie, I mean, they, they're true. I mean, she did get ran out by the Security Exchange Commission over some fudging some records she did some shady stuff and like 75 like a well bit. how many haven't right, i mean right Speak her and her yourself. husband started the company and uh you know i don't care about all that like she was, was a, a double, double mastectomy survivor you know because she had some issue, health issues and you know she got ran out of her own company and you know they bring that up in the movie and Ree's kind of funny about it mm. but uh you know she's great it's great to see her on film again yeah, I, you know, a lot of the part, guys, yeah. including Eric, our, our sound guy here, when Rhea pops up on screen, he, I heard something out of him like, oh, like he reacted <laughs> like all of us guys that watched Cheers growing up or whatever, you know, sure. she's going to pull it out of us. Like, it was great to see her again. We see Danny. All, are they still married or do they get divorced? They got divorced. They got divorced. Yeah. They're like meant to be. <laughs> right. They I'm are. totally wrong. Terrible. Do you guys want to talk about the the woman speech, the America for it's really impossible to be a woman speech with America for Air? What are your feelings on that speech? How did that go for you? When she said that um, we have to be extraordinary, but we can't be enough. So the scene when at the bus stop, when she tells the woman that she's really beautiful, yeah. that was the part that broke me initially. And then when she said we have to be extraordinary, but we can't be enough. That was the part that I thought was so incredibly moving, especially coming from a large family of women. Um, it is it is a thing. It's it's absolutely a thing that you you feel like you could be doing all the things, but somehow you're you're not doing it the way they the way that people say you should or or whatever it is. That that aspect of not being enough was wild. Wild. You think so, Alia? 
completely agree. That was another part where I also cried, you know, like towards the end of it, you know, it's a super triumphant speech. And um, I feel like a lot of people could identify with what she said. Yeah. It was like a rally cry. I did. I'm not even a woman. (laughs) I knew what she went into it. Exactly, exactly. I knew what she went into it. This is a moment. I knew it when she started the speech the first time I saw the film. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, she's going to give a battle cry right here. And she sure the hell did. And I mean, when you've got Meryl Streep saying in interviews that I wish I could have did that part on screen, Ugh. when you got the queen herself saying she Ugh. wished she, an American Ferrera, props to you, darling. You nailed it. I mean, that's a great scene. And, she, and it amazing. rallies everyone in the room because that's when they're in Weird Barbie's house and the mm. dog's pooping all over the place. And- <laughs> but her scene with the daughter who's just <laughs> dropping all the stuff that any angry woman has ever said about Barbie, uh-huh. just dropping it like. Well, that's the other thing that makes the movie special is it acknowledges its flaws and it acknowledges the people, the things that people have said about it over the years. And they get a lot of it out in the Sasha character, the daughter of America Ferreira. Yeah. She's, she's that character that voices a lot of those negative things. And which is probably why I like her the least of anyone in this movie, because she's a pretty negative character. But I love that it, there's a little bit of um, trickery going on. You know, you think she's the person that's supposed to be saved and then. No, it's, it's, the her, mom. It's, her, um, yeah. it's her mother. You know, I will say this for Sasha, though. When uh, when they're leaving Kendom and Barbie's <laughs> given up and they've got Alan in the back and he's kicking the construction workers' asses, that that's when uh, when she really saves the day, kind of, Sasha. Because she's the one that says to her mom, Mom, we can't leave. Like, we got to go back and save her. Like So that's the moment where she, in the movie where she actually earns her keep. Like thing, other, She's pretty negative other than that. But. She was absolutely negative, but the thing that blew my mind is that um, I, I think the writing was so magnificent because I think that a lot of women relate with that. Like, there's a, there's a sharpness to a lot of women because we feel like that's our way to protect ourselves. And then you see her soften because she sees humanity in a different way. And it first starts with her mom, seeing her mom's humanity, and then it bleeds into everything else. I thought that that was magnificent and such is life, right? Like we all can be sharp and then it just takes that one thing that just kind of brings a softness to us and changes our perspective. Shows us the magic. Yeah. I think, yeah, her, her negativity was, it was needed in the film because I, I, I think a lot of us have met children exactly like her. Yeah. <laughs> I was one. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, somebody had to give voice to that argument. Sure. You know, they didn't have to do that, but it was smart of them to do that because it's like, no, we're going to acknowledge that. We're not going to run and hide from that. We're going to include it in here. I, that's brave. I love that. It's just as brave as Barbie at the end, choosing that, you know, she left her immortality. She gave that up to come die with us. Like, there's, that's mm. very noble. It's very brave of that character to do that in the end of the film. I love that part of it. Like, Barbie Land's going to turn into the Nightmare Before Christmas or something. It's all going to go to hell. It's, Bar- it's not Barbie Land anymore. Barbie's not there. What, dude, let's She's going to have to go back and save the day. This was what I texted my brother after the movie. Well, there were two things. The first one was... I wish I had a little girl, a daughter that I could take to this movie. <laughs> that was the first thing I texted my brother. Cause I was like, she would be so empowered walking out of this movie. And the second thing I texted him was, this is why it's better than Oppenheimer because 10, 20 years from now, little girls that are not even born now are going to be watching this at slumber parties with their other girlfriends. That is a fact that is going to be happen. This is a classic. This is an instant classic. I worked in the video industry and not long enough. 
I know this. Like, I remember when Clueless came out in the 90s. And with the ladies, that was a just, you know, Richter shaker. That was a big deal. This is way bigger. This is so much bigger than that. Like, you know, they almost ran out of pink paint during the filming of it. Not just them, the country. Right. Ran out of pink paint almost because of all the pink they needed to paint the sets. Absolutely makes sense. There was a COVID thing going on then, too. too, (laughs) Did you know that Barbie has seven siblings? Skipper was introduced in 1964. Twins Todd and Tootie were around from 65 to 71. Stacy hit shelves in 1990. Kelly was sold from 1994 to 2010. And Chelsea was introduced in 2011 as a replacement for Kelly. I definitely had Skipper. I was waiting for um, Skipper to have more of a role. In <laughs> that the was movie. pretty funny how yeah. they looked like at though. I do like that she had escaped uh. before and she tried to take the toddler surfing. Like, there's those little details like that that make you laugh. Like, uh, it was when, just like Skipper. And the whole Midge thing. That, oh. I was uh, rolling over that. I thought it was so funny. And then the way they narrated it during that time was just. Fantastic. One how Will Ferrell would always be oh, spooked by her. Yeah, he screamed. I, yeah. I love his I love so his screaming So that's Emerald Fennell. She's an Academy Award winning writer of a promising young woman from a couple years ago. Mm. Margot Robbie uh, produced that film. And so she put her in that role of Midge. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny. I guess Midge and Alan were actually married in the Barbie canon. I read that. Oh, wow. That makes sense. Around 1990. Yeah. Alan was married to her, apparently. So I was like, oh, that's weird. They never, they didn't touch on that in the film. So Alan seems like kind of a lurker on Ken's jock. What's going on there? Like, is he kind of in love with Ken? Or what's going on? I don't know. There's this. What are you looking at me for? Well, no, no. I'm looking for the beach off. For For the the beach beach off. off. Seriously, when the beach off scene happens, like, Alan's got this look on his face. It's like, He's into Ken. I, I, maybe a little more well, than wasn't just being that, his buddy. I mean, he's Ken's buddy. It says it on the box. I he's mean, wearing his clothes. I mean, I mean, they do I share was, clothes. I was kind of thinking about how, like, um, if you think of any hot guy in any film, or, or really, honestly, even real life, there's always that friend of the hot guy that's always kind of the, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's always that friend that's, like, in the corner, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like your skirt, too. Like, always, like, weird stuff. <laughs> He's like kind of weird, but he's always the friend with the hot guy. To me, I was like, ah, I know so many Allens. Like, I love. He plays that role well, Michael. Sarah, he is Allen in life. It was nice to see him back. We hadn't seen much of him lately. Mm -hmm. And then he drops that great line about in sync. They were all (laughs) Allens, even him, Justin Timberlake. I think my favorite line was that Stephen Malcolmus was hugely influenced by Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground. There's all the mansplainings going on. Yeah, Ken's taking over. What was it called at that point when he takes over Barbie Land? It's called it? Kendom. 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 Thank you. Yeah. yeah, he wants to discuss the Godfather tri- or the Godfather yeah. with you all and talk all through all three hours yeah. of it. Uh, and then the uh, Snyder cut of the Justice yeah. League. Like, if men can't take those jokes, I feel bad for you. Like, because those aren't sharp jokes. Mm-mm. As far as like oh. cruel, those oh. are just funny. Because we are into that shit. I mean, I love the Snyder cut when it came out too. I'm gonna admit it. It's All of, but Ken figuring out the world, you know, and he's there, and then he takes that back to to Barbie Land, and that, all that's just funny. Him yeah. finding his balls. I lost basically. Itch. I lost yeah. interest in the patriarchy when I found out it wasn't about horses. Oh yeah. my gosh, <laughs> it's fantastic, and the it's, fact that it doesn't even go from like just being about Barbie to being about Ken, it's something totally different. Like the um, 
the sculptures and the mountains, uh-huh. how it's all about Barbie. Yeah. And then when Kendom comes into place, he doesn't just put a bunch of Kens up there. It's just horses. horses. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, you're missing the mark still. <laughs> good social commentary there. That's it, because it's deeper I than just some totally. pink candy-coated film. Yeah. But it's not necessarily for kids, even though it's a Barbie film. I mean, I, I, people should know better anyway. But I guess you can imagine thinking Barbie's for kids, right? You're going to take your nine-year-old, but... It's it's got adult humor. It's it's funny. I mean, there's nothing, no nudity, but it could offend some mom. There's no kissing. Mom has to explain what the gynecologist is. You there's know. no genitals. What's a gynecologist, ma? There's no genitals exactly. They can't have yeah. You can't have nudity if there's no genitals. I, that's another one that drives me crazy. Is the oh my god, parents are gonna have to explain to their kids what a gynecologist is now. Grow the fuck up, man. You're all gonna have to it, learn it. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a doctor. Yeah, it's a doctor. There's nothing controversial about that no you keep it keep it simple yeah it's a it's a doctor um so can we talk let's talk about margot robbie first oh my god i mean this is going to be her obituary like when she dies it's not going to be harley quinn anymore you know because kaylee cuoco has kind of done an animated version of harley quinn that's pretty badass so she didn't have that all to herself anymore she is barbie for now and forever she's barbie Amy Schumer could have played her. That would have been terrible. Now that I mean, imagine that would have been funny. But I love Amy Schumer, but she was never right for Barbie, and that was a dumb ideal. That would that would have not been good. I'm so happy that didn't happen. And the the property bounced around a little bit. Sony had it, and you know some other people had the IP for Barbie. They just never could turn it into anything. And then you know Margot saw the that it lapsed, and she just swooped right in and grabbed it. Let's talk about quickly. I'm just going to mention the comparison between this film and the Holy Mountain. Oh my God. <laughs> and that is practical sets. That's also what made this film so exciting to watch for me is that that was, everything is, is practical. Those, those were sets that were built. People that were on set at other, other uh, um, locations would come just to see it. It was just such a magical place. But I love that. Again, that just practical. Yeah. You know, analog. It's going back to analog. Well, there's also almost Wizard of Oz style shots yes. when she's going to the weird Barbie's house. Yes. And she's at the bottom of the stairs coming up, and there's a long shot of the house from a far away. And I just felt that magic that I felt when I'm watching Dorothy. Like, I'm like, this is beautiful to look at. And these sets and these costumes are just sensational. Like, I can't get enough of it. I like when uh, Margot Robbie said, I would never wear shoes like this if, my f- if I had um, flat feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because she's cr- cruising up in high heels. And yeah. It's true. High heels are they're upstairs tough. too. A yeah, lot when, of stairs. When she was going up the stairs, yeah, sure. to, to the weird Barbie's house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I loved how Margot Margot Robbie, even in the film, that they say like um, when they were when she was like battling cellulite. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I love. Um, and they were and she was talking about like how like she be she could like get wrinkles and like get cellulite and. Then they said, we know that we casted Margot Robbie. This might not be the best person for this scene. <laughs> yeah. I The disclaimer. Yeah, while you're watching laughing. that. That was funny. It was so perfect. It's subtle. It's just everything was yes. so. Just, well, and I think people get wrapped up in how physically pretty she is. And it's just like you really forget what a, if you really do any digging in her bio and everything. This is a pretty awesome person. Like she was raised by a single mom. She had a few siblings like you did. Like, she didn't come from, you know, she, there were times when it was pretty hard for her getting by as a kid. And and then she comes in, you know, and starts her Hollywood career in Australia first, obviously. But 
she's just somebody I just her whole story of being a scrapper and coming up from the bottom and and there's like an online video of her from a couple years ago there's an Amsterdam preview in London and she's outside going into the building and this deaf man starts sign languaging with her and she starts sign languaging him back and I'm like holy shit on top of everything else this brilliant woman knows ASL like wow she I mean and she's a metalhead too. I mean, as like a metal triple threat. Yeah, as In a heavy metal way. guy, she came out on our side too on Graham yeah. Norton, and she was talking about how much she loved heavy metal. And Kate Blanchett was sitting next to her and shit all over it. <laughs> and at that moment, Kate died to me. But she was like, "Oh, do you like monster trucks too?" She was so shitty. And Margot just looked at her like, "Fuck off!" Like, and that was when I was like, "Yeah, Kate, you can take the next ride out of here." Mm-hmm. Like, I'm on Team Margot from here on out. Like, if she keeps dropping stuff like Barbie. And I, Tanya, and stuff like that. She's incredible. I mean, love her. Love, love her. her to death. I, I mean, mean, the two films we've just done, two of the most beautiful women I think I've ever seen on my, besides you two, of course. Oh, uh, but Ornella from, oh, Ornella from Flash Muti, Gordon. Uh, Princess Aura from uh, Flash Gordon. Yeah, and yeah. then Margot Robbie. We got that one coming up pretty soon, guys. It's not out yet. But and she does such an amazing. Amer- I'm fascinated. Americans do shitty Australian Amer- and English accents, but there's so many actresses. And actors coming from other parts of the country, they do good, good, very well done American Oh, yeah. If you didn't hear Hugh Jackman talk in real life, you would think he was American. His his American accent's terrific. Aussies are incredible. My my biological dad, he comes from Australia. There's there's a lot of, I've met a lot of really great Aussies. They're multifaceted. Sure. They like to drink. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's one thing. (laughs) They come from a land of convicts. Yeah, yeah, I've got criminal blood in these veins for sure. So Margot has the IP on this. She goes to Mattel and says, I want to make this movie. And so she's getting it put together. And they're like, well, what's your pitch? And she's like, well, I want Greta Gerwig. Now, Greta's a little woman, ladybird kind of indie darling. Like, she's not a high glossy, big time director, writer, any of that. So I think that's the thing that intrigued a lot of us movie nerds a year ago when we first saw the Barbie trailer and we see Margot dancing and Ryan and I'm just like, I don't know. And then right there at the end, it pops up written and directed by Greta Gerwig. And immediately the movie nerd in me goes, oh, shit, this isn't this is going to be smart. This isn't going to be some fluff. So I knew right then I was going to go. I think like your reaction, I think I was very shocked at what I got into. I thought I was going into a glossy, shiny thing and it ended up being so much smarter than I thought it was going to be. There's so many different gonna... metaphors. Uh-huh. Like yeah. so many different things. That, that's why my band and I got into like such a deep conversation afterwards. It's because there were so many things where I was like, I want to circle back to that. <laughs> and I felt like, um, I don't know, Brené Brown just being like, let me dissect this for a second magic yeah there's there's a lot of other good people involved with this i mean she brought in Issa ray who does really good as the president she's pretty funny hilarious she gets to drop the one you know motherfucker except it's bleeped which bleeped. actually makes it funnier that it's bleeped but and we had to seriously disinfect them houses <laughs> <laughs> the mojo dojo casa houses yeah <laughs> oh it was so good but she's really good um alexandra ship's really good uh samuel Liu's really good of course, Will Ferrell's doing Will Ferrell. I think we Midge. were all cut. Ca- Midge. Midge. America Ferrera's really good. Like, there's just really solid performances from everybody in here. I think the MVP on a lot of levels for us, I think we're all going to agree on this, is Kate McKinnon. Yeah. She just wins me over anything yeah. she ever does on SNL or, or ever. Yeah. It's I think hilarious. Kate McKinnon is the funniest woman on earth. 
And I think when you put her in your movie, you, you're pretty damn smart. And, and especially when you put her in a role like that, where she's weird Barbie. She could cut loose. And she does. The first three things out of her mouth when she's, like, talking to Barbie and introducing herself, you're just cracking up. Aside from the dog shitting all over the place. Like, and she's <laughs> That's doing... a real toy. It does yeah, that. Yeah, it is a real toy. And she's doing the splits and all that other Why stuff. Why does she always do the splits? I like at the end when... Um... She gets a new, or she gets asked to be, you know, part of the community and get a job. And she goes, can I please be in sanitation? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yeah, let's get into that. Because that's, that's one of the subtext things. This is, we keep talking about that there's the comedy on the surface and then there's the subtext. That in particular is one of the best ones. Because you're laughing because she says sanitation. That's what we laugh at is that surface joke. She's weird. But the subtext of that is, is that she was thrown away at one time. And she's a collector of Barbies. You know, the Barbies and the Kens that hang out at her house are the weird ones that were thrown away and everything and gotten rid of. Sugar Daddy Ken and all those. You know, even Proust Barbie was walking around there. Like, it was some weird stuff. She, she's a guardian of the trash at this point. Like, she's a lifesaver. Like, that's why she asked for sanitation. It's so sweet that, like, she's like, no, I've been thrown away and that doesn't feel good. And if anything gets thrown away, I'm going to save it. But there's that sweet subtext to that. And that makes me love her character even more. Like, and there's, that stuff is all through the film. There's so much more of that in there. And that's another reason I love it so much. Did it kind of remind you a little bit of like Toy Story in that moment? Yeah. I got like a Toy Story feel. Like uh, yeah. when, you know, like it's like the, the things that you used to play with, like sure. you no longer do. I, I loved that kind of connection. She dropped nude blob can. <laughs> I mean, she it's fun she for, to see what was under there. <laughs> it's fun because the reminiscing part of it, but Barbie's still a very popular entity. I'm sure now just sold more Barbies ever in the last few weeks as well to go along with the movie. But whatever that message is, I mean, you know, it does have doctors and firemen, and Barbie can be anything she wants. And that's a great message for, for little girls. I know. I'm anticipating the start of the school year where I teach for a lot of students to be requesting songs from the soundtrack and um, all things Barbie. Is it appropriate for, I mean, it's PG-13. So oh, absolutely. That, I mean, that's fine. But, kid, you know, I mean, who, who should be buying Barbies, right? Five to ten? How old are you when you're playing with Barbies? I don't know. I, what you have I mean, I still have action figures I have at home. I played, I played with Barbies, um, I think, up until sometime in fifth grade. When I was starting to make the Barbies have sex, I was like, all right, I think, <laughs> I think, I'm, I think I'm done with Barbies, ma. That's when it got exciting for me. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think it was like around like, I think sixth grade, it was like not cool for girls to be like, oh yeah, like I just like played Barbie. So the by the time day, middle like, school, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're not well, playing Well, you even with had Barbies. the one girl that said, I love Barbie. And then they yeah. all shot her a dirty look and she was like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that I mean, You can still have your Barbies. You just maybe don't admit it, you know? Yeah. I know some grown women. I've been to my friend's ex-wife and. You go into one of their small rooms in their house and in, you know, glass display cases, hundreds of Barbies, hundreds of Barbies. It's crazy. Now, I'm, I'm not one to talk because I do have a room where I have a lot of different kinds of toys and action yeah. figures as well. So, But not just one thing. I don't have a Barbie. I want an Allen. We can change that. For I want you. an Allen. We could, we could definitely I need get a weird an Allen. Bar I'm tempted to order the weird Barbie from Mattel oh, they're offering. thousand percent. Yeah. That's and a pre-order. Here's another thing. Think about this little fort foresight here. Can you imagine what Halloween is going to be like this year? Oh, man. Oh, my God. That pink outfit cowboy hat Barbie is going to be the go-to. 
Now there's going to be just ruined Halloween. There's going to be other Barbies and there's going to be other cans, but that is going to be the go-to Halloween costume this year. Uh. And I encourage it. Go for it. I'm also calling bullshit, though, that she got it at a place in Venice Beach. Like, <laughs> fuck you guys. Like, make this at least, like, believable. She did not get that at some, like, Venice tribute place. Like, come on. Well, that outfit is on a dummy outside, too, when she walks outside. Yes. So I kind of caught that. I was like, because I was kind of thinking the same thing as you. I was like, that's a pretty fancy outfit for that shop. And she walks out. I'm like, well, there's another one on the, you know, on that is mannequin. It- so... Here's here's the part where I was doing ayahuasca watching this last night. I that scene right there when they walk out of the out of the store. There's there's a couple of stickers that I I mentioned this to Eric when it happened. I, I didn't have a rewind button. I, I thought I was at home and I was trying to rewind it. I swear there's a Caswell sticker on the wall. Uh, I swear it. That's the you know that's where I was like you're on drugs, dude. <laughs> but I swear I saw this sticker on the wall that looked like our logo, and I was just like, please be it. It's not, but I, I know. I'm going to go back and watch I'll it. Whenever the DVD dream. comes out, I'm going to freeze frame that shit. But I swore I saw it for a second. <laughs> I like to think it was there. Yeah, let's be hopeful. <laughs> so let's. So our, our co-producer on this show, Amanda, she has some thoughts on this one, too. She also went and saw it with me at the drive-in last week. And so that was a fun experience, too, because you bring out your lawn chairs and everybody's listening through their radios and, you know, kind of the fanboy experience. And, and I, we had a good time. And I thought that was a really fun way to see it, too. So we wanted her to jump in here, too, and give her two cents on the film. Because, uh, you know, it's ladies' night. Yeah. It's ladies' night. Hi, and Amanda. Elaine's right. Amanda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm wonderful. You met the ladies already, right? Yeah. Yeah. Happy to join you up here. How so, many pages of notes do you have? I have a few pages of notes. Um, I'm interested. Was- I was nervous um, coming on here because nervous. I help out back behind the scenes. So jumping up in front of the mic is a little nerve wracking. So I appreciate I, well, that you're Where do we paper. begin with your notes? I'm. I... Well, so I guess where I thought um, I could jump in is one of the things you're asking: how old girls are when they play with Barbies, and um, and then that was tied to also it's really impactful for girls to see like what they can be. And so I was talking to a friend about Barbie and um, the the whole marketing behind Barbie. You can see that you can be a doctor, you can be an astronaut, you can be all these things. And and I was like, well, wait a minute. When you bought Barbie and you started playing with Barbie, were you thinking about that? And, you know, or like when you got your sister's Barbies, were you thinking about how you could be an astronaut or whatnot? And so that ties into like child development and what and like where they are in the development and how they're playing with Barbies. And for me, similar to the ladies up here, um, I got my sister's Barbies and so they were naked and <laughs> had their hair cut and they were dirty. And I think there was like a Ken doll, but it wasn't actually the Ken doll, it was Ken's leg. And so, <laughs> and so like one of the things is, is like the parts came off. And so sometimes you would just have a Barbie part. And it, for me, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I can be a leg one day. Like Ken's leg, you know, it was just like, how can I be creative playing with Ken's leg? And so whether it make Ken's leg a mic or something like that. So I think it, I think it's interesting. So I don't know about you guys. Did you play with the Barbie parts? Did you ever take Barbie's head off? Well, you know, because Barbie's legs and arms only went one way. So I, a lot of times on accident, the legs would come flying off. And then, you know, sometimes you, you, you've pulled them the wrong way beyond repair and... I have instances like that. I had, um, maybe I'm a 
is sort of weird with this because my uh, <laughs> we all did gymnastics when we grew up, but the, all the Kens, I never had like a Ken that could do gymnastics. So like Ken, we would always try and get him to do the splits because we were like, this is what we do. We do gymnastics. Um, but I definitely had like the the lady, like the female, like um, Barbie that could do the splits. Yeah. But Ken never did. And I was always like, I'll hell? make him do the splits. I know. And then one leg would pop off. Uh. And so I'd always, I'd often have like a one-legged Ken. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think like one of the interesting things about the movie that they talked about is how Barbie is pretty much what in real life the person playing with it is like, right? Like they're imbued with that spirit. And one of the things that came out to me that was like huge was Ken. And my biggest question was, who was playing with Ken? I've only seen the movie once, there but I There can only be one Ken. Sorry. <laughs> he is the Ken. He won the beach, beach off. Yeah. He won the beach, beach, beach off. Ken. But like all the other Kens just seemed like happy as well. And they were satisfied with like, you know, the status quo and th how things were. Um, so I just wonder what gave that Ken, you know, beach Ken, you know, that sort of questioning like where he wasn't happy with just being beach ken you know like and he wanted more and, and that sort of thing as well as just like really that need for attention and and such so um and then like also like his song the i'm just ken like listening to like the words that are there i mean i think it's also like i mean it's obviously intentional and 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 says a lot as well about his character um as well as the matchbox 20 song right like mm -hmm. They're singing, like, I want to push you. You know, I'm not going to sing it, but um, unless one of you guys do. want on, to. Go for it. You sing <laughs> no, on this show. Do it. No, no, you do it. I don't, I don't know the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I feel like that's more of, like, a thing for guys to do. One thing, too, is, like, I don't know, like, to what extent, like, Noah, what Noah wrote, what he didn't write, but... Um, I've been a big fan of Noah since like the 1995 like kicking and screaming and his characters are basically like dudes hanging out like post-college and so they're just basically Ken's hanging out so one of the guy's character the main character Grover is basically like in this kind of woe is me woe is Ken because his girlfriend decided to leak leave him and chose Prague over him and so I definitely had a little bit of a the way like Ken was written kind of reminded me a little bit of Noah but bomb back how cinema. many times during the movie were you like i know that guy like every <laughs> time i take a can i'm like ah, i know that one i know it <laughs> yeah no i think i was sitting next to graham and i was like like i, I couldn't remember who sang the the song at, at that moment and he was like oh it's matchbox 20 and i was like this is so funny because it's so freaking real like having all these men sitting around a campfire singing this song to you like it's it's just hilarious i think but then even like i said those moments where like as a woman you're apologizing to a guy when they're the ones who like totally mess things up and like you yeah so but that's one barbie and ken that's the point of barbie and ken your barbie and ken experience is different than her oh, barbie yeah. and ken your imagination is they're all different every person yeah can come with their own idea of what barbie and ken is supposed to be what, was what barbie does for a living what was the last I'm I'm blanking on it. What was the last thing that she said to him? Um she was saying like that she, she had taken him for granted. So she basically was saying I'm sorry I took you for granted. So like I felt like what I got I I see both perspectives very present. I think I know what she said what you're thinking of. She movie. said why don't instead of it being Ken and Barbie it could be Ken it doesn't it, have to right. Yeah, yeah, it could be it doesn't have to be um Ken and Barbie it could be 
the can and the Barbie or it's, something it's like that. Ken and it's Barbie. Yeah. So, I mean, and I agree with you, like in order for us to have an equitable society and if we want equality, we need all the genders, right? Like we, yeah. we also need to have the humor that this movie has. Yeah. We need to provide the grace and the patience that Barbie gave Ken in that moment. Like he took over Barbie land. She came back. She was willing to sit down with him and be like, Hey, like you need to see who you are without me, right? Because I don't make you a man, you know? Like, I don't I don't make you Ken. Who are you when, you know, without a woman or whatever? Like, it's you Alan's don't- Alan's buddy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they wear the same clothes. It's true. But there, I felt like it was very interesting because it did, it, the, um, at the very beginning of the movie, I, I found myself feeling for Ken. Like, I, I had compassion. Because I was like, oh, look at this guy. I wanted to punch him in the face. Look at Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. Dude, but like, is that, were those really his abs? They were chiseled. It's so much contouring. It's so much contouring. Do you feel the yeah. same way looking at him on screen like I do about getting to see Margot Robbie on screen for two hours? Or are you indifferent about him? I don't know. Is that not an ideal I'm not man sure how you, you feel. Margot feels like an ideal woman. I thought everyone in the movie was quite beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Beautiful. I just couldn't get over the, the fringe uh, vest that Margot was wearing for me. So, the fringe outfits were amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think anybody that hasn't seen this film has probably found some encouragement to go see it. It is deep, emotional, funny. It's m a lot more than probably you expect it to be. And we're very grateful for all of your perspective on this. Uh, Alia, what do you have coming up? Anything interesting? Anything cool with Scary Pierre or any other um, new projects? We are going to play on October 6th. Okay. Here with Miniaturized. Nice, nice. Yep. Got that. Um, and then we, we've just wrapped up recording. So we'll be... You've got some cool tracks. You actually have a, a cool remix I love uh, from one of our guests that we've, we're going to have, Von Avakian. Uh, and he's done some remixes of your stuff. How do you describe Scary Pierre to the uninitiated? And how would they find that band? It is female fronted. Uh, it's post-punk. And sure. uh, we're on all the social media dot coms. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's Scary Pierre. Lucy is a, a phenomenal uh, front woman. I feel like she's taken over uh, by some kind of beast i don't know what what goes she's, on there she's a powerhouse but, um, and a she's an amazing front woman and uh, it's fun to have followed her career from since in 77 and, and some various bands so great band scary pierre ash easton what's going on with yeah. you you have a debut album right that's available yeah and music award but uh, any shows coming up in the future yes air this i've got a um, so. september 7th we're at the belly up uh we're in support for graham nan carroll nice he's coming through we're doing October 7th for the um, Good Times Country Fest. And then October 18th, we're opening up for ZZ Top. Ooh, Fun. very nice. Oh. Yeah. Man, you know that I was able to coordinate uh, Billy Gibbons to officiate a wedding here in San Diego. Uh -huh. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Uh -huh. and Danny Bell. I yeah. wonder if uh, Low Volts is going to open that show as well. Do you think you could put a word in also maybe? Well, he love all just by himself. He could just do a quick I'll opening. I'll literally set. do anything. I don't have any pull with that show. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting and, and great San Diego story. And yeah. Exciting for you. Glad to call you a friend. And Ali, so nice to see you. Amanda, where can people find you performing? Um, Anywhere? You got uh, anything going no, on? we don't have anything scheduled <laughs> right now, but we do have an album out. Um, and you can find it 
I guess like, like what's the band again? Cerulean Veins. Cerulean Veins. Post punk. That's kind of a studio project more than a live performing band for it the most been, part. It, I mean, we were playing live for a while and then we stopped and then we got the band back together like in March of 2020 to start um, rehearsing and then COVID took us out. <laughs> Have so, you played with Scary Pierre? It seems like that would be a good matchup. Cerulean Veins. We haven't yet, Scary but Pierre. I mean, definitely in the future for sure. And maybe with Ash Easton. I don't know. Maybe you should make that happen. I could maybe make that yeah. happen. Uh, Simu Lu was amazing in that. By the way, did you see that clip of them doing some some media press and and Ryan got all pissed off at him because he like touched his back. Like they had this moment. Like he didn't feel his energy. Yeah, I guess not. And Simu Lu waxed his whole body for that. Have you ever waxed your whole body, Graham? Never. We could do that. <laughs> be like the 40-year-old virgin and I'd be screaming. Waxed? I don't know. I, don't, I can't imagine. Waxing your whole body? It, it doesn't tickle. It, it does, doesn't yeah, tickle. That is the I'm, I'm not best. Look, no, I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Barbie's a fun film and you get a lot more out of it than you might think. Great music, great story. And it's funny as hell. And it's emotional. Thanks for warning me, dick. I did the same to yeah, you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we want, our, we want our male friends to go see it, too. We know the ladies are going to go see it, but I, I want to say to our male, you know, partners, and, and I, you know, I went with Eric, our sound guy, last night, and Eric, thumbs up. You give it a thumbs up? I see a thumbs up coming from him. So we're going to encourage our, our friends that are anyone that's on the fence, like, go see this. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people did if you didn't. <laughs> Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> It's way smarter than you think it's going to be. Trust me. It's a, it's, it's a cinematic moment. And, you know, as a movie nerd, this is one of the things I live for. And I've experienced very few of these in my lifetime. A movie makes a billion dollars in 16 days. That's, a, that's something special. Anything and that's why we're talking up? about it. Anything coming up you're looking forward to? Strays. Like at this level, Strays. Strays. So Strays yeah. is a, a, a live action dog. No, yeah, it's the live action dog one with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx as the voices. Every time I see that trailer in a film before it comes on, the crowd goes insane. All right, well, this has been Soundcheck Flicks. Thanks for uh, listening. Thank you to the Casbah. Casbah presents. We're at this legendary stage tonight. and uh, I'm going to go find that Pajama Jam in Amsterdam set. You've all been on this stage performed before too, right? I would imagine. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Yeah.